after 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezo Mapepe on SAFM. Mr. Tsepo Majobilo, Director and Attorney at Majobilo Attorneys. We're talking about maintenance. We're talking about child support. We're also talking about reasonable accommodation and unreasonable accommodation. We are talking about garnishy orders, how to go about doing that. Access to the courts, where this can happen, how this can happen. Protection for a very vulnerable person, the child. Tsepo, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Much appreciated. Thank you for joining us, AFM. Good evening. Thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show. Good evening to you and your listeners. Thank you so much. First things first, let's just get the protocols and processes of court out of the way, please. I'm an aggrieved parent. The mother to our child is in no way contributing. Although we got the divorce decree done and the settlement that came with that, there were ongoing conditions attached to that. Let's, for present purposes, say I was supposed to get 5,000 rand per month from the mother for the care of the child together with her visitation rights. I'm not getting that 5,000 rand. Inflation is increasing. The child is no longer in preschool, but he's going now to grade one, and I'd be happy just to get that 5,000 rand. How do I go about ensuring the honouring of that obligation by the mother? Well, first and foremost is that when you go through a divorce and that settlement agreement is made in order of court, it means exactly that. So it's got the same effect as a court order. Mm -hmm. So anyone that is not acting in terms of a court order is actually in contempt of a court order. So the first and foremost thing that you do, because this is a maintenance issue, you bring it to the attention of the maintenance officer to say that there is a court order in place and this um, person is defaulting on the court order and then the normal um, consequences will flow from that. So essentially in the maintenance court, we they will then call upon obviously the defendant to say, answer to why you are not paying. You know, um, there is a court order that's in place and you are now in um, contempt of the court order. Therefore, we, you, when you approach the maintenance court, you're approaching the maintenance court on two aspects. On area maintenance, meaning that from the date of the court order, if the court order says that by November 2023, the 25th of November, you're supposed to pay 5,000 rand. So you start counting from that date for the area maintenance and also um, for what's going to happen now going forward. That's, that's also future maintenance, but that um, has to do with an amendment with any of them. So all it is is that when you go to the court, you are actually claiming for that area maintenance that you are supposed to get from the date of the court order that was granted up until the date that you actually appear in court. Talk to us about approaching the courts, if you will, the step-by-step guide, because I don't imagine there's anybody... I mean, I don't imagine there's somebody who is not affected by that right now. So, okay. So, um, you will approach the maintenance court, right? And they will then say they will issue you with what we call um, a writ of execution against um, um, a a court order. Can one do that oneself? Does one have to instruct attorneys? When you say maintenance court, we're obviously talking about the magistrate's court. Yes. 
So the maintenance court is in the magistrate court. Now remember, because this is an aspect of maintenance, right? Even if you obtain maybe your divorce decree in the high court, when you go to enforce the maintenance order, you enforce the maintenance order against um, the defaulting party. And because this relates to maintenance, you will do it in the maintenance court correctly in the magistrate court. So what you do then is that you, when you approach, you don't need attorneys per se um, because this process, is, you're still assisted by the, the maintenance officer. So what they do is that they have what we call an execution against their property by way of attachment. So because the order is a court order, they now calculate what is the area maintenance. So for, for example, if you've been four months defaulting, and you're supposed to pay 5,000 rands. That'll amount to 20,000 rands. So there will be an execution that is issued for the amount of 20,000 rands. And the practical steps there are that once you have that execution of order, you need to take it to a sheriff's office where the sheriff is now the officer or the legal officer that goes to attach property at a given address where the defaulter stays. So you stay in four weeks, you defaulted for four months, there's 20,000 rand, you get the execution order from the maintenance court, you take it to the sheriff, and the sheriff, when they go to that address where the defaulting party stays, they can attach property worth 20,000 rand for that. Now, the other way is that um, mostly with the maintenance um, court is by way also of garnishy order. Because in terms of that, then you attach the salary of that person, of the defaulting party. You take that execution order, um, you basically take it to the employer. To say, employer, this person is not paying, they have defaulted, and we now want an execution against their salary. Where then it gets registered against that person's salary at their work. And every month, that amount gets deducted directly from the defaulted um, What must one provide to the employer for a garnishy order to have relevance? I mean, for a garnishy order to be registered? Sorry, can you repeat that outside, question? Outside the order yeah. of court itself, what must yeah. the person who is claiming support and or maintenance on behalf of the minor child take to the employer of the defaulting parent for the employer to effectively register and implement a garnishy order? Okay, so you will basically bring all the documents that you um, use to get hold of the order. So, for instance, um, if there was a settlement agreement in place, definitely the settlement agreement that is signed by both parties because that shows the agreement between the parties that um, this is the agreement that we have. Secondly, would be the actual order of court because you would see in an instance where there is a settlement agreement, mm. the order of court would then say that this settlement agreement is marked X will be is, is, is deemed an order of court, right? So you will take that, you will take um, um, the settlement agreement, you will take the actual order and also the attachment that you got from the maintenance um, court. Because remember what you do is that you first need to go to the maintenance court for them to give you that execution in order for you to take that to the employer along with all the other documents.
Is it possible for one to do this without enlisting legal assistance? In other words, if I am desperate for money, let's assume mm -hmm. it's happening now in January. December was expensive, as is always going to be expensive. Mm -hmm. January is a month of poverty made worse by stationary lists and new uniform mm -hmm. on top of everything else that is ordinarily my financial exposure and commitments. Am I in mm. a position to now go and instruct attorneys to help me with this? Or are there institutions of state that can actually help accommodate what otherwise would be a cost that for many would be unreachable? I think the first and foremost thing, I always advise my clients to think, when you are going to have um, financial difficulties, it's always better to communicate with the party to whom you owe. It's like you and I, besides the maintenance, um, you, I owe you money, and I'm unable to pay you the money as I promised. The, the most civil thing to do is to let you know that, listen, I'm having financial difficulties. May we make an arrangement? Because remember the court, they operate um, from a court stance, but it does not take away the human element from them. So the first thing first is that if you can, and if you are on terms with the person that you owe money to, first thing first is, Speak to them. Tell them that I'm having a bit of difficulty. May I pay 3,000 rand or 4,000 rand and I will top it up on the next payment or whatever arrangement you may make. Now, if that, does not, if that fails and, um, uh, well, I'm saying that, no, I actually want my full money, um, then that's another thing. That's when um, all these legal processes now come into play. I hope I've answered your question. I'm, I'm, I'm asking... If I have these challenges with the partner who is not supporting, mm -hmm. to the extent that these things must happen, for instance, going to court, getting the mm -hmm. attachment against the fact that this is what is outstanding and the value thereof, mm -hmm. registering a garnishing order, is one generally in a position to do that on one's own? Or is legal assistance, in other words, the instructing of a private attorney, the way to go? And if that is so, oh. what becomes of the challenge that I might not have the money? In other words, are there institutions of state? Is it legal aid? Is it the family advocate? Is it the court itself together with the main? Is it the maintenance court itself and the support that it offers that mm -hmm. takes away, if you will, the need always or 100% to have to instruct private attorneys? That's the question. No, no. Definitely, you don't have to instruct private attorneys. Again, if, if the negotiations between the parties fail, you then have to do what? To approach, it, it, it's either from a personal point of view, either you are over-indebted or you cannot meet your maintenance um, obligations. Now, if you cannot meet your maintenance obligation, it's your duty as the person that is liable for that maintenance to approach a maintenance court and explain to them that my circumstances have changed. Now, the example that you have given um, is not a permanent um, um, what is position for a, a, a person that is liable for maintenance. It's just as a result of one or two months where maybe costs go up um, and you find yourself over, um, you've overstretched yourself for those months, 
but it's not a permanent thing. It's not a permanent position. So if you find yourself where you cannot afford the monthly maintenance, you can apply for what you call a variation of the maintenance um, order that is granted upon you, and you must also prove why that is so. So you go through essentially the whole maintenance inquiry um, to say that this, these are my expenses, this is what I get in as a salary, and I cannot afford this amount of maintenance because my liabilities exceed the money that I am getting in. Let's take a short break. We continue after the break with Tsepo Mojabilo, Director and Attorney at Mojabilo Attorneys. Let's get the comments, let's get the questions, let's get the calls especially. Are you in any way affected by child maintenance? Are you that parent who's not paying? Are you that parent who is expecting support but not getting support? Is there a dispute in this arrangement? Let's talk to some of the challenges you are experiencing, more especially at this very needy and financially exposing time as everything associated with being alive increases, not least because your little bundle of joy now starts big school or starts high school or is going to university and try as you might. Your strength is simply not enough to meet all of the needs of you and your child and somebody is not playing ball after the break. Your contributions from home on the subject. 2154, there being no contributions from you at home, I take it that many South African relationships are actually working out. Even though the relationship between the two parties has not worked out, it certainly is working out in the context of paying child maintenance. And I certainly hope I'm right. I'm, of course, being sarcastic, but I, I sincerely hope that is the case because, I mean, there's no joy in having these sorts of social impasses because of all the other social problems they beget, if not in the immediate, certainly in the long run. But our guest this evening is Director and Attorney at Mojabelo, Attorneys at Seapo Mojabelo. We're talking, of course, about child maintenance and support and the challenges and even the law around that. So let's talk about the reality that sometimes changes dynamics when one of the parties remarries or gets involved in another relationship or relocates. Obviously, this dynamic changes the pre-existing dynamic. Even in the best of circumstances, what can you share as having been your experience in the context of the rights of the child remaining nonetheless unaffected by the change of status of the one party? Well, 